What is up, everybody? I'm super excited for today's episode with Troy Eckert. Troy is one of those unique people who exudes a zen-like energy and has truly lived the life of a hero's journey with ups, downs, and everything in between. We dive into his life as a pro surfer, joining the famous clothing brand Volcom as employee number one, where he grew it from its infancy to the juggernaut brand that it is today, taking the company public and making a ton of money, then losing a ton of money. We talk about ego and the power of the mind and body to heal itself, overcoming mold toxicity in the profound healing journey that Troy is still on, embarking on the radical voyage that is his coaching company, and so much more. Troy is truly a special human being with an insane amount of life experiences and accolades that I could go on and on and on about. So without further ado, today's episode with Troy Eckert. Sweet. Well, Troy, I'm so stoked to have you here. It's always interesting, like when you meet someone, uh, I'd seen you around Beacons a few times and then I officially met you and then found out we'd be going to Idlewild together in a few weeks. Um, and I felt like drawn towards you. I was like, oh, this guy just has this very like Zen-like, but like interesting energy. And then as I've gotten to know you and, and researched you for the podcast, I'm like, dude, you have lived <laughs> a full life um, from you know, surfing to Volcom, coaching, your health journey, and everything, which I'm so excited to dive into. Um, so first, just I'm stoked you're here, man, and I've been wanting to dive deep with you, so I'm stoked we're making it happen. Hell yeah, I'm super stoked to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate the offer. Yeah. And so I'd love to know just a little bit about like what your life was like growing up and and how surfing kind of got into the picture. Mm. Okay. Growing up, well... Um, where do I start? Um, I was all over the map as far as places I lived, you know, from a very young age. I was actually born in San Diego and then really quickly moved up north, Northern California, where I bounced around a bunch until I was about 10. And then I ended up in Southern California from 10 on, basically. Um, yeah, living, living. So how I found the ocean was when I moved to Lake Forest, which is a little bit inland from like Doheny, Dana Point area. Gotcha. And, um, you know, I, 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 up until that point, I'd probably been to like Santa Cruz and maybe a little bit of like Ocean Beach, but really young, like San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And just remember sort of being, seeing it, but not, you know, being yet too young to really like understand what was going on actually. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I came to Southern California where, you know, about 25 minutes from the beach there in, um, Lake Forest. So maybe even Laguna is probably where I saw like real ocean waves prior to that. And I just was just resonated in a crazy way. And I didn't really understand it at the time. And it wasn't until my dad got me my first surfboard when I was 10 years old. And apparently I was like asking him for one. And I think I maybe a boogie board a little bit a couple times prior to that and just getting the feel of the ocean. Mm -hmm. And so he got me this like twin fin San Miguel surfboard that was actually bought at Encinitas surfboards. No way. Yeah. So it's full circle. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So brought me this board and it was just like, whoa, holy shit. Like, okay, now it's time and, and ended up going to, my mom would always go down to Doheny just to hang out on the beach and no real surfing background on both my parents' side. Like never, my mom surfed like one, a couple times when she was younger, but not mm -hmm. often. That's so funny. Cause I look at you and I'm like, this dude seems like he's been surfing out of the womb, you know? No, not at all. Like not, not at all. So ended up just learning to surf at Doheny and, and I was hooked. Like just that's all I wanted to do was just get to the beach. And luckily, it's funny, I say luckily, right around that time was when my parents got divorced. And around 10? Around 10 years old, yeah. And so my mom ended up moving down back down to San Diego with her new husband. And then my father moved up to... Um, Huntington Beach, so like Huntington, Huntington Harbor area, so North Huntington Beach. Mm -hmm. And then I was way closer to the beach now. I was probably like a mile and a half, two miles. And that was when it really like kicked into high gear. I, you know, I met a bunch of friends that surfed and and then it was just like on the bikes, like just charging the beach prior to going to school. And and I mean, that was where it all really started for me. It was when I actually like was, this is something that's going to be a part of me for the rest of my life for sure. Wow. And at what point did you start taking it 
seriously in terms of getting sponsored and professionally? Yeah. So, I mean, probably around the time I was eighth, ninth grade, it was the time when it was really starting to like become a serious, more serious thing. And I was getting rides with friends to contests and I started kind of the contest journey around that time and just love the camaraderie and love the competition side of things and ended up uh, doing pretty pretty well in the beginning and then uh, ended up getting on the NSSA national team. So NSSA had a national team, air quotes, mm-hmm. and um, they would do, they, they did that for many years from like the mid eighties or maybe even before that for a long time, all the way into probably the early to late nineties. And then they stopped it. But anyways, I was on it for two years and got to travel and do a few things with them, which was really, really cool and sort of hone my competition skills around that time is really when I was sort of peaking. So, so yeah, it was, it was really contest scene for me. Amateur was around the 14, 15 to about 18, 19. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, then took it from there. Yeah. And I know you have that decision you told me where it was either go down the pro surfing route or start this clothing company with two guys who you looked up to. And I'm so fascinated by this when you're looking back on your life and like connecting the dots. But where were you? Do you remember like where you were at your life and what what guided you to make the decision that you did? I mean, I, I was just... We, so I'd moved from Huntington to Newport and that was really, again, another, it was funny because there's all these like levels I feel, but it was another like level up for me moving to Newport just from like the waves of Huntington being kind of, kind of mushier and just like slower pace. And then you get to Newport and it's hollow and it's like a whole different type of surfing. Hmm. So it like completely up my skill level, like quickly. Um, so yeah, you know, I moved there when I was a sophomore and then around senior year is when sort of this whole, you know, the Volcom thing kind of came into my world. And I mean, I was just about to graduate from high school, barely, like (laughs) not a school person at all. Like I just, I just wanted to go surfing honestly the whole Mm -hmm. time. And, um, and so scraping through kind of, kind of my high school career and I was writing for Quicksilver. So Richard Wolcott, who's the founder of Volcom, alongside Tucker Hall, who's the co-founder. It's the, they, they were the two that started the company. He was my team manager at Quicksilver, and then he quit. And he he just approached me and was like, "What are you like? What's up? What are you doing? What you, I, I got this thing going on. I'm starting this company, and it was literally in his bedroom. <laughs> and he's like, "This is the name. It's Volcom. Here's a sticker. And and there was not. There was only stickers then." Wow. And maybe actually, I think they had a couple of t-shirts going at that, at that point, like they were just giving away, yeah. <laughs> they weren't selling anything. So, uh, yeah, I was like, either I'm going to try and go this full pro surf route with Quicksilver, getting my very modest, small check. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a definite road there, a potential road, yeah. you know, and then there was this other complete, I mean, they're both unknown, but the Quicksilver one was definitely the more safe one. I yeah. thought, you know, it was like, would have been, oh, well, Quicksilver is this established brand. They're huge. Like they have the resources and that's the safe route to go. Yeah. For some reason I went this totally unknown, unconventional, unproven, just no idea what was going to happen route. I just, it was because I, I, I really looked up to Richard and, and liked him, you know, as a mentor and, um, as an well, employ, employer, I guess you would have called him at the time, but he was a sponsor, you yeah. know? So I, I just really resonated with him and that was really what pulled me was, was him. Gotcha. And I'm always fascinated by decisions like this. Was it something that you like took like months to think about or was it? Honestly, like a- I think it was like right in the, right on the moment, right, right wow. then and there. It was just like, yeah, I'm down. You just knew. Yeah. I just knew it was annoying. And also my dad, I remember after the fact, my dad was like giving me shit. <laughs> for for he's he's like you're what are you what are you thinking like you got this quicksilver thing and you're just going with nothing and I'm yeah. like yeah I don't know I'm just going this is how this is where this is what I feel I just want to go this way mm-hmm. and I was 18 I didn't know what the fuck I was doing yeah that's mind blowing <laughs> and like and you know like looking at all these companies now I mean Volcom is basically like a household name um, but what were the early days like like what is because I know you you ran marketing from like zero to you know, whatever. But what does that look like in the beginning? 
controlled chaos <laughs> i don't even know it was just we were we were so young we were just like living like living breathing the brand the lifestyle the whole thing and you know i didn't really find my niche in marketing until a couple few years into it really because i mean i was doing i was shipping i was doing production i was marketing I was just you were all, wearing all the hats all the hats because yeah. there was you know there was in the beginning like five of us that were running running the company for for a good year ish, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it was kind of like, and it was kind of by design. Rich, Richard was just like, "Hey, do all these things and see what sticks," kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I love it. And I'm I'm like, thank God, I I veered towards marketing, yeah, <laughs> and not in production jam. and shipping and you know all the things that are sort of I mean thankless at the end of the day, which are but they're obviously obviously very important positions in the company. But uh, marketing is the thing that that you know it allowed you to have real a lot of fun. So yeah, do you remember like one of the first projects or endeavors that you kind of led, where it was like your creativity, you were the one who initiated it, and feeling and like seeing it through and being like, "Whoa, this is cool." Hmm, that's a great question. I've never been asked that before. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Um, all our, I, I, it's funny because I just remember like almost menial tasks that Richard gave me in the beginning. He like, he had this, he had this Xerox sort of pamphlet of all these phone numbers and like addresses and phone numbers. And it was basically from Quicksilver. Like he just took it from Quicksilver. <laughs> and then he had these like list of contacts, you know, whether it be like flow people that he would flow stuff to that probably wasn't on the team. He's like, just, just write a letter and send stickers to all these people, you know? And That's I just so like funny. literally handwritten letter letters to like, I don't even know how many 50 people and stickers Wow! and just be like, this is a new company or whatever. And it's funny because one of the guys that I sent the letter to that was on the list, his name's Emmett Clocker. And he, he was one of the first, actually I take that back. He wrote in wanting stickers. No yeah, way. So I sent him a letter and then gave him stickers and he ended up becoming the Midwest Volcom rep. And he's still with them to this day. Wow. Yeah. He's been with them for like, I mean, almost 30 years. That's nuts. And that's yeah. something I did hear you say, which is like a lot of that, the Volcom community has been there for what, oh, like 20 plus years. Yeah, there, there's definitely a few left. It's, it's, it's slim now, Yeah, but there's definitely some, some lifers that are still there. Yeah. There's a few of them. And for you, it was total like work and life were not separate. It was just a fusion. Mm -hmm. Total mesh. Yeah. Complete just mesh. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Especially when I was young. Yeah. And do you remember a point where you guys kind of transitioned from, you know, we're just these fun guys doing something we're passionate about to where it started gaining traction, whether that's culturally or like just the business started to take off? Yeah, I mean, it was probably when we started seeing people wearing Vulcan clothes that we didn't know who they were. That on the was street. On the street. That was when we were like, I was like, oh shit, okay, this is different. You know, because wow. we knew everybody that wore it for so long, for yeah. a couple years, yeah. maybe maybe less than that, or a couple years. And then you'd start to see it in these random places and you're just like, holy shit, this has got some legs, man. This wow. is going to be something. And I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with everything you know now, when you look back, what do you think distinguished you guys? Like what, because, you know, today there's so many, whether it's clothing brands or like online companies, there's so much competition. Mm -hmm. And I'm, there was back then too, of course. But what do you think it was about you guys or the ethos or the culture that took you guys where you guys went? <laughs> Honestly, we just did everything from just intuition, the heart, just we did whatever we wanted to do. Honestly, we didn't give we didn't give a shit. We yeah. weren't we weren't looking at what other people were doing. We were just doing our own thing and wow. doing it like full on mm -hmm. and leaving a trail <laughs> behind. I love it. Yeah, it's like that Ralph Waldo Emerson quote. He's like, "Don't go where there is a path. Go where your own path is and leave a trail." Exactly. I butchered it, but something. To no, that you're effect. that's that's right. Yeah, so we we definitely left a trail and created our own path and. And then people wanted to come, you know, it was like, it was kind of, I mean, Vulcan was like a rock band basically yeah. on tour for yeah. like the time. I, mean, I was there 20 years. So it was a 20 year tour when I was there. Uh -huh. <laughs> and was it almost overnight? Like I'm always fascinated by that point where in the beginning you're like pushing it, you're trying to sell people into what you're doing. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, the demand's now coming this way. Mm, Do you yeah. remember what that was like? And was it fast? 
It was pretty quickly, man. I mean, it was within the first five years for sure that it was like really kind of clicked in pretty like high gear. I don't remember a definitive moment. Um, probably when we started getting the resources to be signing on like bigger athletes was kind of when I was aware of it of like, okay, now it's time to get some bigger athletes. Yeah. Like we have, we have cash, you know? Yeah. And so that was I remember that being super cool because it was just like, okay, who do we, who do we want, you know? And, and I mean, we we weren't, we didn't have the kind of cash at Quicksilver and like Billabong and those guys did by any means, but we had the vibe along with a bit of cash. Uh So it was like, we had enough to lure the right people in that were just into what we were doing and they would take a, you know, a cut to be a part of it and it it paid off for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, the vibe is everything. Yeah. Um, and you've had the chance to like travel, go on tons of surf trips, snowboard trips. Is there anyone you met along the way, whether they were an athlete or just someone involved in the journey who really like resonated with you and made an impact in your life or or just kind of had an energy about them that you kind of carry with you to this day? Hmm. I've met so many people that have been inspiring in my life. To boil it down to one person would take some thought. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all over the world, like just all over the world, man. I mean, amazing cultures, amazing. You know, I always loved going to France, loved spending time in Hasegor. Hmm. Great people there. Um, Tavarua, Fiji was, you know, the Fijians. So that's, it's funny because that's not directly Vulcan, but it's like it is part of Vulcan because we spent so much time there. Uh-huh. Um, Aussies are amazing. Like all the guys that ran Volcom Australia back in the day were amazing and just, yeah, man, so many cool people, a lot of cool people along the road. Wow. Yeah. That's, I can't imagine. Do you have like a, I mean, you said France was one of the, the mm-hmm. favorite places you went. Did any culture place you went like stand out to you where it was just vastly different from like anything you'd experienced before? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, f- yeah, French culture is definitely different. Um, Fijian culture is definitely different. I mean, they all, they're all different in their own cool ways, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, I, I found that just, I just enjoyed all kinds of different cultures. I mean, I love going to Japan too. That mm-hmm. was amazing and so fun. Yeah. And just immersing myself in just the different, you know, things going on in their world. It's just like such different worlds mm-hmm. yet so connected and uh yeah it was just really fun to just work with people with Vol- through volcom and you know helping them sort of see our vision and then and then we see their vision and how it all matches and then seeing different markets and what resonates with them and the different trends and different things they have going on their ideas so yeah mm-hmm. it's always fun to go all over the place honestly yeah, that's sweet yeah and what was the point or maybe it was like over a period of time where you felt like you were ready to transition out of Volcom or like what, what kind of led up to that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I had, I had been there for about 18 years and I sort of had this thing in my mind where I was going to be at the company for 20 years Mm -hmm. from 18 to 38 is what ended up happening. Wow. And, um, and a couple years prior to that, like Mark of 38 years old was, I was, uh, I was starting to get a little burnt, a little burnout because it just, you know, I, I, we'd, we'd built such a freaking amazing company and just, uh, internal energy, external energy, and the creativity was still flowing. Although there was just a lot of work on like being a man, like being a manager, being a director, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, there was just so much coming at me from all different angles of just, you know, stuff with employees to whatever upper management to lower. It's just like, it's just the creativity was just not flowing like Mm -hmm. how it used to be. And I felt, I felt stifled with my creativity. So that was, that was really what was the big thing for me was just, you know, not doing what I really felt like should be and could be doing at the company at the time. So that was kind of what happened. And I, it took me a couple of years to sort of like get the, you know, wherewithal and the, and the balls actually to like at leave, you know, after yeah, 20 years. That was years. your identity. Like you didn't know anything else. Yeah, it, it was, it really was. And, and, and it's funny, even to this day, I'll have people be like, how's Volcom? Like, dude, I haven't been there in almost 10 years. <laughs> you <laughs> wow. know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, so it's, it was, it was just a lot of, a lot of that sort of thing. And, um, 
And then I felt I got it to a point where, because, you know, there's the recession and all that stuff, which was gnarly for everybody in yeah. 2008. Because you guys went public around the recession time? 2005, right before. Right before. When it was like freaking going crazy as yeah. well. Like the market, just everything was going off. And you know? like, what was that like for you? I mean, kind of all of a sudden getting in, like your guys are worth a lot of money all of a sudden, maybe not all of a sudden, but like on paper. Because mm -hmm. um, I heard you say something in another interview about, and this fascinates me too, like it's one thing to say, oh, if this happens, I'm going to remain grounded. But how mm -hmm. do you like control your ego when, you know, like such a quantum shift like that can happen? Super challenging. Yeah. I learned that. I learned that a hard way for sure. And I, I feel I, I'm all, I've been pretty like good about just, having some sort of humility in my life and 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 that at that point was definitely like if i found myself checking myself wow. yeah i didn't go out and buy a bunch of cars and do a lot of stuff that some people do when they come into <laughs> that kind of thing but i did i you know i bought houses and just and did all that sort of thing and you know then the 2008 thing came and just crushed everything and it was just like watched a lot of stuff just dwindle and it was just it was gnarly you know wow. and uh yeah, you're not prepared for it, man. You're you're, you're just not, you know. Mm -hmm. And 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 when it happens, it's just a trippy, trippy, trippy thing, you know. You're just it is. It was literally overnight. Like it was really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no warning well, signs. Well, what? No, there's. You know, we're working up to going public. Gotcha. And you know, being in the executive team, I knew I knew about it for price. I mean, we worked on that for almost a year, probably prior. So I knew about it for about a full year. Yeah. But like one day you're private and the next day you're public, you know? That's so absurd. it's, it's, it's freaking intense and only a handful of people know about it. So it's like the next day, it's like your whole company knows about it. The whole world knows about it. And then it's just like, holy shit. Yeah. And that's got to change. Like, especially as a, from everything you've shared about the company, it's such like this culture, this vibe, but then all of a sudden there's like shareholders involved yeah. and that's going to change the dynamic for sure. Yeah, really. It really did. And, and, um, you know, we went public and then that whole, sh you know, the whole shareholders and that whole thing. And then, um, you know, then the, then the, uh, the financial crisis happened and that was a whole nother shit show. So, you know, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And were you looking to get out or like transition? Was it prior to going public or was it after where you were kind of ready to transition out? It was, I mean, it was after, you know, once we went public our, you know, our slogans, youth against establishment. And we're like, <laughs> now we're the establishment. Yeah. And, and, and so we had to really work hard to keep, keep that sort of ethos going for, you know, being a public company. And I feel like we were pretty damn successful for a while. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I was, I was really thinking about leaving around the financial crisis time, but it was such a shit show. And I didn't want to like leave on a low note mm -hmm. that I hung in for like two more years. Yeah. And then we pulled, we like pushed back out of it and kind of like got to the other side of that and hired some more people and got to like an infrastructure within my department that I felt that was really um, capable of doing a really good job. So that's when I made the decision to leave. So mm -hmm. around then. And, and what, did you know what you wanted to do next? Or was it just like, I'm taking some time off or? I know. I really, all I knew is I was moving to Kauai. So I up and moved to Kauai with my mm -hmm. two dot two young daughters. And then my ex-wife, wife at the time, who was, who was seven months pregnant. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we went over there and spent three years there. Uh huh. And what, and so you weren't working too much during that time? Um, no, I surfed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely decompressed and surfed a ton. And then ended up doing a couple little projects mm -hmm. and, and just, there was definitely something more I wanted to be doing yeah. for sure. I just couldn't quite figure it out. And I just wanted to give myself some time just to decompress, man. It was, yeah. a, it was a big run. Well, 20 years nonstop, you yeah. know? Yeah. And was it around Kauai? Like what was the, when did your health stuff start mm. flaring? Cause so, I've been, I'm stoked to get into yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. So. Let's, let's go there. So, yeah, it's so interesting. It's an interesting kind of thought and question. So a few things actually kind of started to manifest on Kauai, but it wasn't like the real, the real deal yeah. <laughs> until I got back and much, many years later. Okay. So, uh, you know, I got, I got divorced. So we moved back over here, got divorced. Back to, back to California. The mainland, California. Back to California. And um, we got divorced and then. So a few years 
into kind of that and just you know figuring out my life again just like okay now what do i do again like what the fuck am i doing now again but you know it's so just to interrupt real quick it's like refreshing in a way because i sometimes do this and you know and when people are at these like crux points or they're like there's so much uncertainty but it's like everyone's everyone's uncertain Mm -hmm. you know it's not like some one person has everything figured out like we're all just figuring it out Mm -hmm. so to hear you say this like multiple times it's just like i mean that's resonating with me i'm like because you know you've gotten to do some pretty amazing things in your life and you're going through these feelings and experiences like the rest of us oh yeah 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 it's full on yeah so um really my sort of health um journey started in it was 2018 so it's only been a like it'll be three years in March basically. Wow. Yeah. Or February. So yeah, it's coming up as like the three year anniversary. So, uh, yeah. So I started another clothing company. I started a men's yoga clothing brand. It's mm-hmm. called Cosm and started that kind of just cause it's what I knew like clothing. And mm-hmm. then, and then of course a couple years into it, I'm like, why am I in clothing again? What am I doing? <laughs> wow. So, so around that exact time was when, I was like, I'm not into this. I'm like, not, this isn't making me happy mm-hmm. or fulfilled or whatever. And then um, I I was in a relationship with another another person, another lady for a couple of years. And that was ending at the same time as that other thing was ending. Uh-huh. And then there was like some depression, some midlife crisis stuff creeping in. So it was just this perfect moment of just fucking despair, honestly. Wow. And- and just not knowing what the hell I was going to do next truly. And then all of a sudden I just like, uh, I was in the grocery store in San Clemente and basically with my middle daughter and, and almost like passed out, just like almost like fell to the ground. I just like caught myself and I came to, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And then it happened again. And then I just walked outside and just, and then I called my doctor friend and, he, and I'm like, am I having a stroke? Like, what's happening right now to me? I don't wow. know what the fuck's happening. And he's like, I think you're having a panic attack. And so it was really the first panic attack I had ever had in my life. But that was the trigger. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. That was my indication of like, something's really off mm-hmm. right now. And did you have like little warning signs in the months prior? Like you know, at least from the mold, which we'll get into. No, you know, no, not so much. Gotcha. It was literally just such a freaking Because mine hit. was overnight too. Yeah. But mine, most people I talk to doesn't seem overnight, which is why I was curious. Yeah, interesting. No, yeah, mine was, I can literally look at a definitive moment, which is being in the grocery store. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and and then it was like days later. So I, so I was going into a yoga teacher training like about a couple weeks later after this whole thing happened. And I'm just like, dude, I don't know what's happening because I started to get all kinds of, I started to get tingling in my legs and then like the brain fog was kicking in. It was like the mornings were okay. And then like 11 o'clock, it was like brain fog for the rest of was the day. Was it like that every day? For Yeah, it was <sighs> for like for a few months. And wow. then it was like all day, every day, all day, every day. Wow. And um, so, yeah, just not knowing what's going on, you know, and when all that stuff starts happening, you're like, am I dying? Am I going to die? Like what's happening? Is my body just like rotting from the inside out? Yeah. Especially when you've been healthy your entire life, mm-hmm. you know, and you I've were been, always health conscious. Yeah, very. I mean, for sure, abuse, a lot of abuse at Volcom from, you know, the alcohol and just the partying and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. that was just like our life was like one, like I said, a, a one, party, <laughs> one big party rock band traveling the freaking world for 20 years. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a lot of accumulation there Mm -hmm. for sure. And then just accumulation just from other, you know, childhood stuff all the way into present sort of through my divorce and whatever, just different things. And then also I have, I'm like an erector set. Like I have like metal and pins and stuff all over me. Wow. From surfing, surfing, motocross, snowboarding, you name it. So I'm like kind of a, kind of a shit show. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, that was the beginning of my health journey. It was right, it was right around that time. Yeah. yeah. And and prior to that, were you into meditation, mindfulness, breath work? Like Yeah. So in 2006, that's I was introduced to yoga in 2006. So um my sports therapist was recommended it to me for my other injuries. He's like, mm-hmm. you, you're locked up. You need to try yoga. Wow. And so that was the thing that I 
I was, you know, I was, first, I didn't even know what the hell it was, you know, back then. And mm-hmm. then, and then when I did it, I was just like, holy shit, this is incredible. And I was like doing it in the middle of the day, um, at lunchtime. And then I would go home, I would go home and do it in the middle of the day with my wife at the time. We do an hour practice. Then I go back to work uh-huh. and I was just like, felt so good wow. and just finally was like clear. And so it was just like, I looked forward to it like every, you know, week we were doing just like every week. So that was my intro- introduction into like mindfulness and this whole world yoga and the world was yeah. in 2006. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And so you're having all these health things starting mm-hmm. to come up. I'm guessing similar to what I experienced. You're going to the doctors, you're getting the tests. They're telling you everything's fine. You know, or like for me, they told my, my doc kept thinking I was just stressed out or, oh, it's going to pass in like a week or two or a month. And I'm like, I know my body and I know something is not right. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you to finally figure out, like, how did you uncover that, you know, puzzle yeah. piece of like what mold essentially totally yeah well it's yeah so same thing i i mean i was i started to have more panic attacks too just only because i was scared like not knowing what the hell is going on mm-hmm. and uh so i went to you know western doc and he actually said it was a sinus infection and like gave me like steroids just gnarly <laughs> and then another uh well i actually i went to a cardiologist and got like all my other because like i was just my whole body was rapid. Like everything was just like uh, on high alert, you know yeah. what I mean? And just like fight or flight, mm-hmm. constant fight or flight, barely sleeping, just, just snarly. So yeah, I went to the cardiologist, went to the neurologist, did all, it's probably the same exact yep, shit you did. Know, Cause you're dude. like, dude, I'm fucking falling apart here. Like uh-huh. help me out. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. So the thing that sort of kicked me into this sort of self healing journey was when I, when I watched the movie heal, and it was literally, it came out that year. Like it was, the, it was, it came out on, it wasn't even on Netflix by then. It was like, you had to buy it or whatever online. Yeah. And it came out in 2018. So like the timing couldn't have been better. Mm-hmm. That's how I got introduced to Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, Greg Braden, mm-hmm. like all the other amazing healers. And then I was just like down that rabbit hole, mm-hmm. you know, just studying Joe and, and Bruce and just, and then just like uncovering more stuff and, you know, just like looking deeper and deeper and deeper and then just realizing, holy shit, like I have the keys. I can, I can, I can, I can manage this. I can, I can heal this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was the beginning. Yeah. And one question I had for you based on all this, and it's kind of like a triggering question that I don't ask a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we sat in plant medicine ceremony, which I want to talk about later too. But one of the insights that I had I mean, even before that ceremony is um, a lot of introspection is seeing for me and my belief is that while yes, there is a Lyme or parasite that Mm -hmm. my body is healing from, it was like an emotional pattern that I've had my entire life that I can see it, you know, I I just understand how it's driven me. uh, And then over time that created the space in my immune system for it to be open to that coming in. Mm-hmm. Why that I say is triggering because that's basically saying you were a part in creating it. And of course, I don't think anyone with any illness ever is like consciously like, I want this. It's mm-hmm. it's not that you're consciously, but my question for you is, do you believe that, or like, what are your thoughts on this idea that maybe your mold or your health experience, do you think that was tied into like emotional things that were going on in your life? 100%. Yeah, 100%. For sure. I mean, I, I can just look at what the stress I was under right when all this stuff manifested. I mean, that right there is just an indication, you mm-hmm. know, and I mean, we hold all, we hold emotional stress and anxieties and past traumas and all these, I mean, even through physical ailments, you know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much tied up in different, like scarring and different, you know, things all over your body. Yeah. And, uh, for sure, childhood stuff, long-term residue, basically mm-hmm. just coming to the surface and and coming in, coming out in all these different ways, you know. And the mold was was the catalyst, mm-hmm. you know, because there was also EBV and candida, yep. you know. So it's like it's like the EB the Epstein Barr virus. So the Epstein Barr bar is like kind of the beginning, the beginning guy that can like really open mm-hmm. up to all these other potential issues mold or 
you know, lime or any of these things, you know? Yeah. So I mean, you've learned all about that as well. Yeah. And it, why I'm, it's so fascinating and, and why I'm asking this question is like, I mean, from, I don't know if you've read the book, When the Body Says No by Gabor Mate, mm -mm. Um, but he's like finding these trends and, you know, fibromyalgia, lime, mold, like there's all these people with similar, like there's a lot of similarities mm -hmm. and it's not, again, that this person's consciously creating it, but like these emotional patterns over time can weaken our immune system and these viruses or things that are in our everyday life. Cause mm -hmm. we you know, unfortunately in a lot of places live with toxins in our environment. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, it's, if you're not in a healthy place, if you are in a healthy place, your body can be asymptomatic or you can handle it. You know, we have mm -hmm. millions of microbes, viruses, mm -hmm. et cetera. But mm -hmm. it's like when there's that weekend from like for me, it was 100% stress, yeah. chronic stress, totally. which is like trippy because I was 20. I just turned 23. Mm -hmm. I was like the happiest I'd ever been. Yeah. You know, I just moved into this apartment. It's like just started dating this girl. I was like falling in love with like everything seems so perfect, but my work was so stressful mm. and I was so used to this pattern. Mm -hmm. um, like you were saying before this interview of like being on uh, mm -hmm. someone you were talking to. Like, dude, I did not. I meditated, surfed, didn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, like my day, I was just always in this fight or flight. And mm -hmm. it took me to get slammed by a freaking lime train mm -hmm. to now begin to unpack everything and like mm -hmm. start to go on this healing journey that I've been on and, and living from a different place. Totally. You know. It's cool. And so for you, um, in terms of like the self-healing stuff, what did, like you watched that, you watched Heal. Mm -hmm. And so like, what, what did that spark for you? Yeah, just, I mean, I intuitively knew that I could heal myself, but it was just the, the, the real catalyst for me was just seeing all the different um, people in it that have had like stage four cancer and, you know, with a little bit of help from the right type of people are able to go inward and literally heal your body just by, I mean, a lot of it's thought alone, mm -hmm. <laughs> as Joe Dispenza would say. Yep. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it gave me the power back is what it did versus like giving away my power to doctors and just different people. And um, so that was, I mean, that was, that was, the, that was it for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did that show up in like a practice of like daily yoga, meditation? Yeah. Like what did that? I mean, yeah, definitely some, some long meditations with Joe Dispenza for sure of just, you know, connecting the quantum, quantum field and, um, you know, creating the feeling before, before the, the event occurs and things like that, that he, he preaches and, and just creating that feeling of being healed mm -hmm. when you're not right. Yeah. So it's like that abundance that, um, the, the potential of, of what it's going to feel like when you're healed. And mm -hmm. so that was, that was huge for me. A lot of, a lot of surrendering and letting go of past, you know, which is the name of the game in plant ceremony too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, for me, for me it is. And I know for a lot of other people too, you know, we hold so much baggage in our lives and and it's a constant, it's con it's a constant check-in. You like have to constantly check in and, and, and really just like understand the things that are, you know, holding you back or the patterns that keep, keep reoccurring in your life. And, and, you know, awareness is the biggest thing Just being aware, being aware of the decisions you're making, the choices you're making in your life and, and what, um, you know, what results they show, right? From making the same decisions over and over again. It's just like, no wonder you're in a shitty relationship and no wonder you're in a shitty job. No wonder, you know what I mean? You can mm -hmm. just look, you can just literally look at your results in your life and that just goes back to um, just patterns mm -hmm. and habits and just things that are just in our subconscious that live. And and the beauty is, is we, we if we choose, we can, we can create those new neural pathways. We can create a new reality by making a different choice and decision. And that's really all it is at the end of the day is new, is new choices and new decisions. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You just said a bunch of crazy <laughs> stuff. Um, but one of the things, dude, and this has been, I mean, you were one of the teachers for me. And I told you this, the whole ride the wave motto, um, because I've always been someone who's like very much like a doer. So like prior to that ayahuasca ceremony, I mean, I had done, physically like everything I possibly could and I think 
what I learned in that ceremony after the first night when I, and I did a podcast episode on my ayahuasca experience. So mm-hmm. a lot of the people have heard it, but the first night I'm just like holding on and I didn't even know what it meant to hold on until I had that experience. But then it was talking with you. I mean, I know you had a really blissful experience your first night, mm-hmm. but learning what it means to like ride the proverbial wave mm-hmm. and why that was so profound for someone like me who is the personality type of like go, go, go is A, I was scared to let go. Mm-hmm. And I think, what does that mean? Like you're scared to let go? It actually, for me, it came down to a sense of control. Because if I'm letting go, like I remember talking with you and Lex, I'm like, I'm worried about what will happen if I stop worrying, you know? Because, <laughs> like, that in my brain, I built this like pattern of like, oh, if I worry, then that's going to lead me to the next decision. Like, mm. I'll find the answers through this anxious place. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking with you guys that morning after, but then going into that second night of this place, like, I'm just going to ride whatever comes. Mm. And that was the night I learned what it means in my body like an embodied experience of letting Mm. go and i believe for me like since that day like i've talked to my family friends are like dude you are on a trajectory Mm -hmm. and why i'm so fascinated by this and i wanted to get your perspective and i know you're a coach as well which i want to get into too Mm -hmm. is like the balance between you have a clear intention and a goal and you're like working towards it like so many people are on this healing journey like Mm -hmm. it's Mm mind-blowing What's the balance for you in terms of like setting that goal and like working towards it, but at the same time, like letting go and letting God? Because that was mm-hmm. the, that was where I was struggling is I, I couldn't let go and I'm still learning that. Hmm. I mean, now it's like all I feel like I'm working with is just to be present. Like simply just to be as present as possible and not even really attaching to a goal. Mm. You know, where, where am I right now? How am I right now? How am I feeling? Um, it's interesting because in, when, when I'm really present with, with that or how I, where I'm at, how I'm feeling, I have access to the letting go in a more profound way. Um, I can really be attuned to like my energy that's flowing in my body and what's coming up for me, f- physically manifesting, emotionally manifesting, um, to where it's it's I can just be I can only be where I'm at right now. <laughs> I can't be in the future. I definitely can't be in the past. Mm-hmm. So, how, like, where am I right now? How am I feeling right now? Can I really tune in to that emotion, to that physical pain, to whatever it is, and make peace with it, let it go, send it off with a freaking high five and a hug (laughs) versus like a fuck you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because all this stuff is here for a reason. There's a reason that you got Lyme. There's a reason I got all my stuff, you know? It's just part of this this life journey. So yeah, it's interesting. I don't really have a goal. I don't have goals in it. I just like, I'm just here, just doing what I can right now, just drinking Mm -hmm. water and tea and on this podcast with you. Yeah. Well, dude, it's so funny because uh, after my profound realization of letting go, I started reading the book, Letting Go by David Hawkins. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read that book. And it's the same thing with Joe and like all these mystics say, it's like when you're so grateful for what's Mm -hmm. happening, that's when the healing happens because you're not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially kind of like what you're saying. And that's, that was the shift I think pre ayahuasca to post is at least that I've noticed in myself, it's been about a little over two months now is mm-hmm. I'm not, I've noticed like, dude, pre that ceremony every day, my focus was just like, when am I going to be better? And now I'm just like living my life Yeah, um, and it's getting better. And I yeah. catch myself, like mm-hmm. I still have that come up, you know, it's like, oh, is this going to be like this like a year from now? But it's just gone down so mm-hmm. much more. Mm-hmm. And how are you like feeling in your body? Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I, I'm I feel I feel like my energy is is coming back slowly, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, I can go out surfing and have like really good surf sessions and like surf at the highest ability I feel that I have right now. So that's always a good indication. That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, just where I'm at in my, in my life, like I feel like I can still like tap into that, and it's yeah. cool because that's a real that's like a 
a barometer for me or, yeah. you know, of like how I'm doing is when I can go out in the ocean and have that energy and just really be connected and just do that. So, uh, yeah, overall it's like, it is what it is. It is what it, it is, what it is, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's like here, it's, it's, it is what it is. And just, just keep going. Mm-hmm. Just freaking keep going, man. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not, there's not more, what else can you do, but to just continue and keep going and, and be curious. What if you were just curious about your line? What if I was just more curious about what I have going on or had, you know, what's coming up right now for me Yeah. versus like make it be this big thing of shame and guilt and fear and, you know, like the rabbit hole that we love to go down and try mm-hmm. to fix everything. It's just like, first of all, you're not broken. I'm not broken. There's nothing to fix. Right. Mm. Yeah. How's that feel? It, it resonates mm-hmm. and it's, it just, it's fascinating for me, like the stages of healing, you know, like for me, I mean, I feel the best I've been since this whole journey, but, um, it, and I was, I was like consciously aware of a lot of these things of like, oh, this is, a, you know, I didn't really, I was open to this experience being a gift and teaching me and all the things, but mm-hmm. it took me so long to get to a place where I actually believe it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. You oh, know? Yeah. Like I had to go through the ringer in the same the same loop like over and over again until yeah. you know the shift happened and it's like i said it's still it's a continual thing every day to choose totally you know yeah and what if what if rather than a belief it was a knowing <sighs> yeah i think that's deep down and what would you say for you like when people talk about this experience being a gift mm-hmm. oh yeah 100% what does that mean to you? Like, it's, what is the gift that's given you? Well, I mean, you could just go down the laundry <laughs> list, dude. It's like ever since this whole thing happened, my whole life has shifted into like alignment, straight up alignment. Meanwhile, I haven't felt 100% in three years. And you still? 2020 was like one of the most profound, best years of my life. Wow. Yeah. Straight up. Straight up. I mean, there's so many blessings. There's so many blessings along the way. I mean, not to discount what's going on. It's, you know, this pandemic's horrible for a lot of people. And I don't want to like overshot, you know, overstate that at the same time for, in my experience, it's been one of the most profound years of my life, mm-hmm. like in the best way. Wow. And on paper, like you could say my health is, is the worst it's ever been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but that perspective, it's, dude, it's like perspective. that's, that's what. I think I'm most like intrigued about you. It's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter externally. Mm-hmm. Like you've created and f- uncovered this knowingness mm-hmm. in place within yourself. Yeah. And that's, I think the magic that we all yeah. have available to us always. Always. It's always there. You can always yeah. connect to it. It's just, again, it's a choice, you know, yeah. are you going to sit down and, you know, do breath for a few minutes? Are you going to go in the ocean? Are you going to be in nature? Are you going to choose to practice yoga or journal or just the things that actually bring you to back to you, you know, Mm -hmm. versus like going external for everything. Mm -hmm. It's the investment into you versus the investment into other things outside of you, Mm -hmm. you know, giving back to yourself through like nature and all these things. Mm -hmm. And I know you're a coach and I want to hear a little bit about, you know, what got you into radical voyage. And, but one question I had is I feel called, like I've known this I think I shared with this with you recently is like I dropped out of school and I just basically became a mentee for a bunch of coaches. Like I just worked under a lot of coaches and I know for me, like that's something I see in my future. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not super called to it at the moment. Yeah. How has your health experience allowed you to be a better coach? If, if you believe that is a true statement. I think that's, a, yeah, it's, it's just the vulnerability that I, have for like with myself in my coaching, Mm -hmm. I think can help other people, you know, of just whether it be through health or whatever it is. Like, I mean, I have, I have some life experience to sort of reflect with and, you know, with my clients and whatnot when it's needed. And, um, but even more specifically about like the, the the healing journey, it's for sure a power. I, I think of it as a major power in my, like a, it's the power tool in my toolbox. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I can love just it. bust it out when, when I need to. And, and, uh, it just really, it's, yeah, it's been great, you know? And, and, um, 
it's the thing it's truly the thing that got me into coaching was this whole healing journey and just like being completely off you know yeah isn't that funny how it it takes you on the path yeah yeah and i know you coach both men and women Mm -hmm. do you notice like a common thread like what would you say is the biggest difference between coaching men and women and maybe another way to word it is like do you see a common thread of like what a lot of collective men face versus what a lot of collective women face? Like, for example, like I am not enough if that mm-hmm. like that type of, you know, mm-hmm. thing that people yeah. are experiencing or is it all across the board? Yeah, a lot of it varies. Um, it's funny because it's like kind of like the human condition, right? It's like there is a lot of like I'm, I'm not enough and, you know, oh gosh, all kinds of different things. I mean – the women, it's funny because I was, te- you know, I was doing the women's group and then I had the men's group at the same time. So I was able to sort of like wow. check the polarities on the that. The dichotomy of that. Dude. So cool. Uh, the women are, they freaking go for it, man. They like, if there's tasks or different like homework assignments or different things that like well, I'll put out or, you know, just, just different assignments or whatever it is, they're just like on it, you know, mm-hmm. like super on it. And men are kind of lazy. <laughs> really? <laughs> we're kind of, we're kind of, we got to be like pulled, pulled the water, you know, like mm-hmm. it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. There's seriously, there's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. more than you would maybe think, Yeah, you know, and it's just, we, you know, a lot of just trying to fit in, you know, a lot of wanting friends, mm-hmm. communities, huge. Dude, I can imagine now more than ever, yeah. especially. Communities, massive. And, and you know, with the women too, that's the one thing that, um, like I did all these testimonials and they were like, I came into this thing not really knowing what to expect. And I walked out with like seven lifelong friends. Wow. You know, like I have a community of people that are like-minded that I can share whatever the hell I want. Mm-hmm. You know, because they went on the six month journey of being completely vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, you hear it over and over, like, I don't have anybody in my life I can talk to like this, mm-hmm. you know, so that's healing. And, 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 um, so yeah, that's, that's really cool. The the women were really like, they're so tight still, that's you know, epic. and men too, for sure. But it's just different. You know, the women have that different bond, you mm-hmm. know, than the men do. The men have a different style of bonding which yeah. is really cool too. It takes a little bit to like chip down the iceberg yeah. to like get, you know what I mean? To get to the vulnerability. Dude, it's programmed deep, man. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I actually did a, a mushroom journey this weekend with some friends and pretty much this was like the first time. I mean, I was intentional about it, but I almost, since with my health stuff, if I'll choose to do psychedelics, I'm like very intentional. Mm-hmm. And this was like, I just wanted to kind of like, laugh and have some lightness and it wasn't like a high dose and I was some buddies and with my health stuff and I don't know if you remember this but the eye at both nights after I broke down crying Mm -hmm. I was in so much pain because they take um a lot out of me like just physically where I'm at like to go through such a profound experience Mm -hmm. um it's a lot of my body mentally and these are two of my best friends and another Mm -hmm. guy who's just like a very like open-hearted guy Mm -hmm. And I wanted to cry, dude. Yeah. I wanted to cry. And I was like having stuff come up because I, it was like I could see that I wasn't allowing myself to cry. Mm-hmm. And then my buddy, um, he started to cry about mm-hmm. something he was going through. Mm-hmm. And it, I was starting to feel this interesting energy in the group because the first half, I'd never laughed so hard in my entire life. It was like pure medicine, just laughing with these guys. But then it passed this threshold where I was like, oh, I'm starting to feel some physical pain and discomfort just with the health things I've been experiencing. Mm-hmm. And I was like the same exact pattern that I was struggling with and Idlewild, which was like, I just started getting in my head and instead of just mm. feeling the pain and mm. like letting the tears come out, I was like, mm. oh, I don't want to like ruin the vibe these guys are on. Yeah. Like, And then all it took was my buddy to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. he opened up about something he's been going through, cried, and then I got to open up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, man, like reflecting on, I'm like, wow, the the way out of that experience was just to release. Mm-hmm. But it was, it sound, it's like such a, a natural human, you know, experience to cry, yet it was so challenging for me. Totally. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the male, you know, conundrum right there. Yeah. Just like not, just not wanting to like 
almost let your guard down sometimes and mm-hmm. be vulnerable in front of other men, you yeah. know? But it's like, yeah, when one opens up, it's just like, oh, that's the permission to like, do, <laughs> you know, let it go, which yeah. is what we're supposed to be doing is mm-hmm. just letting our emotions flow naturally. And yeah, men have it, men, I definitely see that a lot. I see men really trying to tough it out, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, wait a second, let's just take a step back here and slow things down mm-hmm. and see where you are right now and like really check in, like, how are you? Like, really, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, and get to hopefully some deeper sort of answers for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the value of like a group in that safe container, whether it's coaching or something mm-hmm. else, like, you're allowed, this is a safe space yeah. to just let your freak flag fly, totally. let all your stuff come up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so real quick, what is, what is the structure of your, um, your coaching look like? My coaching? Um, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> all sorts. It's just, it's come with what you got and let's, let's create like truly it's, I don't have a style. It's just, it's just me. I'm, coming with my life experience. I don't have like a niche. It's not executives. It's not women. It's not men. It's like all of it. It's mm-hmm. like whoever I resonate with and whoever re- resonates with me, you know, and I just, I try to be, um, sort of curate my kind of people that I work with just cause I mean, I, I just want to work with like-minded people as totally. well, which is really important to me. So if it's, if it's a match and there's, they're coming to me with like an issue or, or something specific that they want to work on or, work, work with. And if I'm resonating with it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's sort of, it ends up being a mixed bag a lot of the time yeah. where they'll come in with stuff specifically around work. And then we end up really diving into personal and just kind of, we just swim around and mm-hmm. see what's there, you know, because it's all connected. Yeah. I was going to say, dude, do you notice like people will come to you about one thing and then as the digger, the deeper you dig, it's actually something completely else. It's, I mean, it's every time, every time. Yeah. It's, it's it's never the thing that they think they're coming to me for. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because they think that that's the problem. They mm-hmm. think that's the thing they want to be working on. But mm-hmm. truly, once we dig and investigate and get curious, we find that that's actually not the thing that they want to work on. That just concept blows my mind. Yeah. But it's also like we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. We're, you know, we're mostly subconscious. So that's totally. about having a coach or a group who can see your blind spots or, you know, the way you're showing up. Totally. I mean, we're just, we just, we live in a crazy world and society and just, we think it's supposed to be a certain way, but it's just, you can play by your own, own you can play by your own rules if you just have the tools to figure out what that is, you know, yeah. and that's the hardest thing for people is to really understand what it is they truly want and what they want to be doing and spending their time on and what they want to be creating versus like the safe nine to five or whatever it is. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're about to approach the new year. Mm-hmm. What are you most excited about? What's your focus? What's your, you know, what are you looking forward to most? Um, just honestly, just enjoying my life, <laughs> whether that be business, personal, the relationships, communities, just really surrounding myself with more like-minded people and building community and you know, obviously with COVID and all this stuff, it's going to be interesting to see how this next year plays out with all these changes that are happening, like vaccine and all this stuff, craziness. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm excited to bring, get more, get together with people in the physical form. Yes. I think yes. we all are. I mean, we all are. Oh, dude, it's a need. Yeah. It's a human need, man. Yeah, it's, it is a human need. And we thrive and we need that. So that would be probably the biggest thing for me and creating some... Um, retreats and things I've been wanting to do for a few years. So yeah. And just having fun, honestly, just mm-hmm. like just being present, have fun. The presence. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's like the theme I'm getting here, dude. It's just pure presence. Yeah. And, uh, where can people find you online if they want to connect with you? Uh, radicalvoyage.com and my Instagram is radical voyage as well. So yeah, that's the way. Perfect. And I'll link all this to the show notes and everything. Yeah. Uh, Troy, Dude, thank you so much for making the time to come chat and dive deep. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for a while. Like I know we've had some certain chats, but you're just like one of those people, man, that you you just like have a certain energy that I'm very drawn to. And mm. um, like everything you're saying, you just embody it and <laughs> you just are like pure, pure presence, man. That's the words for you. And uh, it's inspiring for me and on my health journey and just living life. So 
appreciate you, dude. Amazing. I appreciate you, Jake. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoy that interview with Troy Eckert as much as I did. Make sure to reach out to him and say what's up. Tell him how you liked the conversation. He's on Instagram at Radical Voyage. And you can find him online just by putting that info as well. It's all linked in the show notes too. And if you guys wouldn't mind and if you enjoyed the show, leaving a quick 30-second review on iTunes would be super helpful and appreciated so more listeners can find the show. And again, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed this one with Troy. And until next time, stay tuned.